This is Molly Gamble, Vice President of Editorial for Becker's Healthcare and Editor-in-Chief of Becker's Hospital Review. Today for the Becker's Women's Leadership Podcast, I'm thrilled to be joined by Nancy Howell, AG. Nancy is the President and CEO of Curling Clinic, a $2.2 billion nonprofit health system headquartered in Roanoke, Virginia. Nancy began her career as a nurse at Curlian, specializing in oncology and hospice care. She has held various roles with the system ever since. She was appointed Vice President of Medical Education in 1996, Senior Vice President in 2000, and Executive Vice President and COO in 2001 before becoming CEO in 2011. Nancy is also a past chair of the American Hospital Association and serves on the boards of several publicly traded companies. Nancy, thank you very much for joining me today and being my guest. You're welcome. I am excited about doing it. Great. So, you know, as I just outlined for listeners, your career trajectory is remarkable from nurse to EVP and then to the C-level and CEO and then HA board. And I've been doing some reading up on you and in past interviews, you've attributed this growth trajectory to opportunity, but also what you describe as a sense of restlessness. And I wanted to kind of poke at that a little bit more and talk about that more. And I'm curious if a sense of restlessness is your way of describing what ambition feels like for you. You know, Molly, it's an interesting question. No one's ever expressed ambition and restlessness in the same sentence that I know of. So, (laughs) but maybe that is a good way to describe my own sense of ambition. I would, um, I guess, reflect a bit and say that I, as a little, as a child, wanted to be a nurse. And that was sort of the end all be all for me. And I never really had a career path in mind. I um, I certainly didn't aspire at that time to be the CEO of an organization. Um, and yet, in in hindsight, it seems that every few years uh, in my career, I would just get um, restless, not so much bored, so not so much that I wasn't enjoying what I was doing, but I was finding issues or holes or problems that I thought there should be a solution to, and I would uh, often propose a solution, and the next thing I knew, I was given the job. So I guess that's a a quick answer to say, um, yes, I, I would be restless, and um, it equates to ambition. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you know you, you touched on that. How you were very solution oriented, but at times you've also been known to take on work or goals or problems in, in terms of solving problems that might have been seen by some as outsized for the role you held at the time, like. When you were a staff nurse and you secured an NIH grant, um, that's that's something that are really I think really relatable for a lot of women. And I'm curious what your best advice is for other women who want more, whether that's more responsibility, recognition, influence, uh, than what the status quo holds for them, given their current title or rank or or position. Do you have any guidance for them? Well, I would say. Um, that the best advice I can give is um, 
is lean in. Um, to use Sheryl Sandberg's uh, great comment, I, I think that's important. I think, you know, take advantage of opportunities and put yourself forward. I, I know some great women leaders, and maybe we'll talk about that in, in a moment, and they, they come in all shapes and sizes. They can be introverts, extroverts, but what I see as a common theme is that that people say, yes, I can do that. Yes, I will do that. Um, and there's a, a level of confidence and um, interest and engagement and curiosity that I think is compelling to others and in, it therefore encourages um, encourages you to get more positions to to be taken very seriously by others. You know, Oh, and in your first question, I was just reminded of several things, and and one is um, when before I became the CEO, my the CEO I had um, was new, and he I didn't report to him, I didn't really know him that well, but he came into my office one evening and said, um, I'd like to you to you know the organization well, I'd like you to think through with me. Um, what the organization might look like, and I want to make some changes. And I said, sure. And so we sat down and for a couple of hours went through um, different people and skills and so on and what the organizational chart might look like related to how he was thinking of of strategy and, and vision. Um, and at some point I said to him, you know, if you'll – who are you? What kind of role, or who are you thinking about as the chief operating officer? And he, he just looked at me and said, "Oh, well, that's your job." And he just went on. <laughs> and so maybe I was just lucky, but I think in that is is that notion of you know both putting yourself forward and offering with confidence, offering advice or curiosity about things, and you'll find that that doors do open. I was just going to ask about that too, because I'm curious with your trajectory specifically, if you ever felt this, this term, they call it imposter syndrome, but just seeing like you've almost taken on a role or responsibility that you weren't cut out for, you weren't qualified for, feeling like, you know, literally you are an imposter in this, in the spot you find yourself in professionally. Yeah. I love that, that whole notion of imposter syndrome because mm -hmm. I think I carry it around always. It's like, how did I get this job? Just seemed to sort of pinch mm -hmm. me. Um, but one of the things that I've said often is that um, it's worthwhile to take risks. It's not worthwhile to be reckless. Mm -hmm. And particularly in healthcare, the decisions that we make are powerful and important and truly can affect the morbidity and mortality of humans. And so I, I think that notion of, um, of of taking risk, you know, I have this brass monkey here on my desk and I say that uh, uh, brass monkey, brass turtle, and I say a turtle is my um, favorite animal because in order to get anywhere, she has to stick her neck out, and mm -hmm. um, that's just kind of a mantra for me, um, and I, I think the other thing, and maybe it's back to the restlessness notion or to curiosity, is 
is pushing through the boundaries. You know, not just listening to know, not listening to what's in your head that says you can't do something, but rather, you know, go with, go with, I can do this, and let's figure out how. Mhm. I think that's such a great distinction. It's there's a, a difference between being bold and being reckless or irresponsible, or being curious and helpful and maybe taking on more than you can chew. Um, so I, I think that's I, I appreciate that distinction a lot. And Nancy, you've been CEO since 2011, and in that role, and also you know, nationally, given your involvement with AHA, you've overseen a lot of dynamics between men and women in the professional space. And I'm curious what you've done to combat any gender stereotypes you confronted about both men and women at the executive level. Um, sure. I would say as a CEO and as and really for a large part of my career, <clears throat> I've taken great pride in being agnostic to gender. But more recently, I found I had to be more, I, I, that wasn't something to be proud of, that it, despite all of us and all of folks on, on my team um, having great value and wonderful skills and talented people and work great work incredibly well together for for me part of my legacy is to be much more intentional about uh, about gender and understand gender bias um and you know in in health in in healthcare at least in my career it started out that um nurses were women and doctors were men and it just and administrators were men and I'm remembering one of the I left to and went to college and um, got a master's degree and came back and was in a new role and the administrator invited me to do a, a leadership symposium for the board and invited me to come and um, talk to the board about that. The board were all men. The administration was all men. And I was excited about it, you know, and I have to admit, I put on my red suit and my high heels and <laughs> my armor, so to speak, and went into the boardroom and there was utter silence. And the CEO then looked at me and said, I'm sorry, you must have the wrong room. Women aren't allowed in here. And uh, I looked at the, I looked for the administrator who had invited me, who was a junior administrator at the time, who somehow wasn't in the room. And uh, but I just kind of said, well, you know what? I think I am supposed to be. I was invited by such and such, and I'm here to talk about the leadership symposium. So here are my handouts, and I started handing them out. And you know, wow. today I, I'm at the head of that table. But um, it it was a great, yeah. There's been a lot of gender bias um, throughout my career. Not so much now. Not, you know, it's nice when you have 20 plus percent of our uh, nursing population are male and about 50 percent of our physician population are female. So we've seen a real mix and, and change. But having said that, just last year, when you saw the national statistics that women's pay was about two-thirds men's pay, 
even in medicine. So I did a survey here to see, to make sure we weren't inadvertently having bias. I'm very proud to say that we don't. Um, but it still happens. It's happening all across the country. And even, you know, even in Fortune 500 companies, there are very few female CEOs. In fact, this year there are fewer than there were last year. Um, so I, we have work to do as women to demonstrate our value um, and to be taken seriously, uh, and that it's not unusual, that it is the usual, that women and men are both good leaders, and there's, there's, you know, it should be invisible or tra as to whether what gender you are. Mm -hmm. Wow. And can you recall, like, roughly what year that was when you walked in that room and <laughs> the gentleman um, said that, that was, to you? Yeah, that was about, let's see, that was about 1979. Okay. Wow. So, I mean, it just strikes me in, in that not that long ago. So, you know, I think as a, an, a you know, a separate generation from you as a, a working professional who's a, a woman, I just, you know, I have tremendous respect and admiration for you and your peers who had to confront situations like that where it wasn't just an unspoken bias or prejudice. It was very much in your face to be made to feel not welcome or you don't belong here and then to proceed with the presentation you had set out to share with them. Um, I, do you remember anything from that, from when you were speaking with them and how the presentation <laughs> went? It actually went fine and they were nice people, they, you know, and they wanted the right, and they hadn't had this experience before. I think uh, what I heard from them, I heard from a couple of them later was, and excuse the language, that took some balls. Um, but it was, um, I walked out of the room and I have to admit my knees were shaking. You know, I was like, mm -hmm. oh my gosh, what have I just done? <laughs> yeah, oh my God. But you I know, I have, I have conversations with younger women um, now, and, and I, it may not be as explicit, but certainly gender bias remains implicit, and it's something we, mm -hmm. you know, of which we are aware. <clears throat> I think um, I, I just, I'm constantly surprised by it, and that's, it's, I'm disappointed, but I, I do think something that helps, and that helped me then, and helps me now, and I hope I offer to others, is mentorship and sponsorship and you know people who you can share your feelings with your thoughts with in a in a um protected way and safe way but then also get advice and suggestions and who can help pave the way for you going forward mm -hmm. i have the opportunity to be in a couple of groups of women who um who support each other in a myriad of ways and we're often um, we we almost separate in our discussions the personal from the professional, so that we have opportunity for both. Because um, you know what's happening in your personal life can affect your professional life, and vice versa. Uh, but sometimes they're a little bit distinctive, and you you need to have that, be able to have that safe environment to have those conversations. Absolutely. And, you know, we're going to talk about the people and the mentors and conversations and, you know, other events that have been game changers for you professionally 
and how it's influenced you. But I, I, I want to follow up on what you mentioned about the study you led on pay equity in your own organization. And just in case any listeners would be interested in initiating a similar pursuit, can you just talk a little bit more about that in terms of did you use an outside service or consultants? How long did it take? Who was really involved and at the table and spearheading that effort? Um, just enough uh, detail to get the ball rolling for someone else who might be interested in making sure that, like you said, the gender pay gap isn't persisting and, and you know, in worst case, widening at their own health system. So we didn't do um, anything that was incredibly formal. I had um, our senior vice president for human resources look at all of our employees and divide that up between uh, in several ways, uh, slice it up with gender and age and gender age, gender age, um, and then look at salaries. So you're also looking at not just salary, but experience. Interestingly, and and maybe this is because we had more women entering uh, physician our physician group um, later than a lot of the men. The, the women actually came out slightly ahead of the men in overall salary, and not a single we did not have a single instance of two people holding the same job where a woman was paid less. Mm. Um, wow. So I was really proud, but it was it was a fairly simple study. I, you know, we were prepared to get a consultant in. I was worried the data would show, you know, something that would be concerning, and the data did not show that, um, and we we didn't have to go any further. But we were able to also share that with um, our medical group, and I think they were, you know, I think they I, I know that the women in particular were. I'm grateful that we had done the study, they hadn't asked for it, and that they had the data right there, and it's completely transparent mm-hmm. available for them. Absolutely. I imagine. I mean, just last week, I, I put yourself, put myself in a, the shoes of a female physician, and when I see headlines like we published last week about male physicians continuing to out-earn their female counterparts, um, 25% more in primary care on average and 33% more in specialty care, on average, um, when I see headlines like that, to know that my organization is in a statistic in that trend would be uh, immensely reassuring, and I would feel like I'm in the, at the right place. So, kudos to to you Thank for you. really fact checking that. Um, you know, you mentioned mentorship, and I, I want to make sure we do talk about that. And I asked you a pretty tricky question, which is to just pinpoint one experienced person or, or conversation that, in hindsight, was really a game changer for you in terms of how it influenced you and changed you as a per- person and, and a leader. Um, can you can you do that? Can you think of, of one experience or a conversation, a single moment that really had a outsized impact on you, Nancy? Um, you know, I I'm not sure I can think of a moment. It's much more insidious than that, and was evolutionary. Mm-hmm. However, I I would think of two mentors, and at the time I'm not sure they anticipated being a mentor or they would have called themselves that. Both were men, as it turned out. Um, One was a chief medical officer who um, I, I kept asking questions of, and he responded, and 
then sort of took me under his wing and and the other was my former CEO. And what I think the traits that both had were that they shared information, often information that perhaps there was no reason that I should have that information, that it was just, you know, it was just an opportunity to share, to sit down and talk. And they were curious about my opinion and they listened. So they shared information, they were curious about my opinion, and they listened. But more than that, and here's where I think the, you know, the proverbial rubber met the road, is that perhaps not at that moment, but at some moment forward, they would say publicly, you know, I was talking with Nancy and she had this to say. So they, you know, they gave me credibility Mm-hmm. Um, and that was inc- that was powerful, and that's something that I try to to do myself now, and you know, that I learned from. But that, you know, looking back, there wasn't a moment, um, but it it was they were powerful traits that I, I think we all can learn from. Mhm. And it seems like such a simple thing, doesn't it, to just say to recall a conversation and mention you by name, but when in a room of other decision makers or people who have influence and power, it is, um, it is powerful. Like you said, I, I, could you trace, walk us through how you noticed any results from them doing that? Was it just that people invited you into more conversations or they sought counsel from you more frequently? I guess I'm curious if what, what the effects were of, of that leader mentioning you by name like that. So once very, going back in time a little bit, but um, as I mentioned, the CMO um, who served as a mentor to me, uh, um, then the the then chief operating officer of the organization I was in um, asked me to serve on a uh, a task force, I guess. Uh, And... um, yeah, there was no reason I would be there. I mean, these the rest of the people there were senior vice presidents and and me, <laughs> and the others were men and me. And um, I kind of laughingly said, you know, am I your token? And we were just teasing, and and he explicitly said, you've got Dr. Crockett's ear, and we need that. He hmm. thinks the world of you, and so we're going to learn from you. And it was like, wow. <laughs> So, yeah, so I think it did, you know, it just made a difference in how others looked at me if somebody who they respected and felt uh, felt knew something that they would want to to involve me in. And in, in many ways, that's, that became a turning point for my career. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, Nancy, this conversation has just been... We've covered so much ground. I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed it, and I, I trust our listeners will as well. But, you know, I'm always curious when I talk to um, female leaders like yourself and others who are really progressive in how they view this topic and talk about it and treat it in their own organizations when it comes to gender equity and women's advancement. Um, are there any resources you would recommend for listeners who 
are interested in this topic, whether it be books, podcasts, articles, it doesn't even have to be anything Beckers. <laughs> I just am always trying to <laughs> Well, always Beckers, my... of course. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want you thinking I was plugging for our, our own promo, but I'm always looking to expand my own list of things to dig into. I'm, I'm curious if you would recommend anything. So uh, um, a couple of things, and, and uh, one is find your motto. So like I said, take risks, don't be reckless. Um, two might be find your superpower. You know, know what your superpower is, and and maybe it's listening. Maybe it's doing something, you know, cooking. It, but know what nourishes you, and that's then something that you can share with others. So find your superpower. A few books or articles that have... Um, had an impact, and one might be surprising to you, and that's Florence Nightingale. You know, her birthday was last week, and um, what an incredible woman of her time who took tremendous risk and um, and then wrote this book called Notes on Nursing, and while it's written for nursing at the time, it was really about healthcare reform, very much like what Becker's does, you know, sharing information, but sort of pushing the envelope and pushing the boundaries. So I, I read that periodically and find a lot out of it. The other thing very recently is that a woman named uh, Kathy Caparino is doing a series in Forbes on uh, women leaders and um, I found it very interesting. Um, the, the series is called Women, Leadership, and Vision. And <clears throat> the one that was in, the, in Forbes last week was about how women leaders are rising to the unique challenges they're facing in the pandemic and how countries that have women leaders are doing better during the pandemic than others. So yeah, interesting book. And I guess lastly, um, <laughs> I'm a big fan of finding information where you do, and in particular in children's books. So Bernstein Bears, a, a little book I give out to others is Inside, Outside, Upside Down. It's sort of like, you know, take it and, and flip it out. Um, and Winnie the Pooh with that great saying of you're smarter, you're, we are all smarter and braver than we think we are. Um, so I, you know, I uh, I really find humor and insight in some of the strangest places, but particularly in so-called children's books. And then I guess my my big favorite is Dr. Seuss. So mm. those are just some suggestions I have. <laughs> Dr. Well, Seuss, I'll give you this quote from Dr. Seuss: "You have brains okay. in your head. You have brains in your head. You have feet on your shoes." You can steer yourself any direction you choose. I love that. I also love the simplicity of, of your own advice. It's find your motto and know your superpower. Just, you know, three words each, really straightforward and just so uh, powerful and pivotal as you've illustrated for us in this conversation. So, Nancy, it has just been a pleasure speaking with you. I'm so thankful for your time. I know you have about a thousand other things you could be doing right now. Um, so to connect with me today for our Women's Leadership Podcast via Beckers, we are so grateful and uh, we look forward to you being a continued part of this conversation as we connect with other women and, and talk about women's advancement. Thank you very much. Thank you.
Thank you so much. I really appreciate your doing this podcast and doing these series. I think they'll be very important for women leaders of the future.